Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Believe in UCLA football podcast. I am your co-host, James H. Williams, and I am an editor and reporter for the Orange County Register and the Southern California News Group. And as always, I'm joined by former UCLA linebacker, Josh Woods. Josh, what's going on, man? I'm good, man. I must have brought, you know, the heat to Vancouver. Another heat wave <laughs> up here. It's been a pretty hot summer. So, I'm, I mean, through it. you haven't taken all of it because we're still getting it out here. Um, that was actually a topic that was being discussed um, uh, when the Murphys were talking the other day. Um, they had both of them speaking to the media and, and they're they're an interesting group, especially having them together um, for an interview. And one of the things that they were asked about, I guess, was just the heat or I, I wasn't there that day. So I'm not sure how it was kind of brought up trying to remember how the interview went. But they were more or less asked about the heat and they're like, no, this is this is cool. There's no problem um, because in Texas, it's all it's heat. It's hot, but it's humid compared to um, UCLA. There's like there's a nice little breeze with this heat. So it's nothing to complain about. Um, and you know, with some of the other guys who are just from California or whatever, they don't know any, any difference. So they're just, you know, we just complain to complain sometimes, but like, no, this is chill. And I was kind of thinking, I'm like, what breeze, but some of the guys, some of the coaching staff out there is like wearing all black. And, uh, I think, uh, Deshaun Foster was out there and shout out to Deshaun Foster, who was, um, um, named to the UCLA athletic hall of fame a couple weeks ago. And just recently was named as one of uh, the top hundred in the inaugural, um, California high school football class uh, for the for the Hall of Fame, um, and their names are going to be all on display somewhere in the Rose Bowl. Um, there was like 15 guys: Jackie Robinson, Kenny Washington, someone who we mentioned in a previous podcast where there was a book written about him. Um, yeah, so a lot of guys: uh, MJD, Mercedes Lewis, um, a bunch of different guys on that list. So UCLA well represented in that. But yeah, Deshaun Foster did an interview as well. Um, with the media and he was like an all black and I'm like Deshaun it's I can't couldn't be me um, but yeah it, it, it's it's cool things are moving along I was out there at practice uh, yesterday that was on uh, Tuesday we're recording this on a Wednesday um, obviously the biggest news coming out of Wednesday or or going on at the moment actually as I should say um, is the UC regions and what's going on obviously um, uh, Governor Gavin Newsom it's kind of been leading this this movement of UCLA maybe should have been a little bit more involved in involving the UC regions in the decision to move to the Big Ten conference. Um, so, yeah, so there's like a lot of stuff with that going on. I think they're still in a closed door meeting as we're recording this. So that's something we'll get back to um, in a future episode for sure, as we continue to learn what may um, may impact UCLA at the moment off the field, if anything at all. It may not be anything um, to to worry about. But in the meantime, just sticking uh, to what happened on the field. Again, I was out there on Tuesday. Um, this may be a name you're familiar with. He might have been a freshman when you were there from trying to line up the years right. Um, but Mike Martinez, Chip Kelly announced, is uh, no longer a part of the team. Uh, didn't give a whole lot of detail as to why. Um, uh, Mar Martinez play is came from modern day high school, played the 19 all 19 games he participated in during his first two seasons obviously the 12 from his first season as a freshman 
And then the second year, which was the pandemic shortened season. So he played in all seven of those games. So that's where you get the 19 from. Um, played in the three non-conference games before getting hurt last season. And that kind of was the end of his season after that. And from what I heard, he was participating in spring camp, but something in between then led to his departure. Um, they didn't talk too much about it. I, it's not like, it, I don't think he necessarily got in trouble or anything. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, big departure there. But Chip Kelly uh, remained confident in the depth that he had at the tight end position. But, you know, that's something we've talked about before, Josh, the tight ends and who that next guy is going to st- who's going to be the next one to stand up stand out and be um in this elite company that has been uh with Devin Asiasi, Caleb Wilson, um Greg Dolchich among others. So um it even maybe narrows it down a little bit more to it being all on Michael Azike, but um another name that's starting to pop up is Hudson Hammermill. Um but just going back to Mike Martinez a little bit, did, were you familiar with him at all or he was considered one of one of the, if not the best blocking tight end, especially last year when Greg was doing a lot of the receiving production and taking that load. It was Mike who was kind of handling a lot of that blocking. So can you just tell us a little bit about um, Mike, what you may know about him, but then also the importance of the tight end as a as someone and the importance of having to have receiving production, but also being another blocker in the run game sometimes. Yeah, so I was with Mike probably a year or two. Um mm-hmm. Big kid, hey, massive big boy, hands, yeah. very strong. Um, it's going to be a big blow to lose a tight end like that. It's a guy that um, he's almost like another offensive tackle, athletic enough. If he wanted to put on that way, he probably could play offensive tackle. Um, but also really big hands, like mitts when the ball is thrown in his radius, he's pretty much going to grab it. Um so yeah, I mean, I don't know what happened. I don't know if his name is in the portal or, or what it yeah, is. We, I we know, no, we, yeah. I wish him the best, but um, like you said, now it's time for other guys to step up. Hudson, uh, very different play style than Mike, than both mm-hmm. than Michael Zicky and uh, Mike Martinez. Um, yeah. He has a similar game. Uh, I would compare to a Greg Dulcich. Same story um, too. Uh, yeah, start as receiver, much. walk as on. As receiver, mm-hmm. uh, walk on, moving to tight end. Um, he's a little bit taller than Greg, more of a jump ball threat, but again, mm-hmm. speed. I think the biggest thing for him is going to be uh, his strength. I don't know, you know, offseason, how much bulking they did, how much weight he was to be able to put on, how strong he is, because uh, in Chip Kelly's tight end systems, if you can't block, you won't play. Um mm-hmm. I remember at the point it was like a rotating door for tight ends of like who was gonna who's the best blocker this week is gonna be the one who's gonna be taking reps to the one. So um losing a guy like Mike, somebody else needs to step up in an area that they might not want to as far as blocking. But yeah. I mean, you're a tight end, you know, that's part of, that's part of your job description. So somebody needs to step up and be that guy, that run block guy, that pass protection guy. Um, because if you don't block, you as a tight end, I feel like if you, if you can't block, you don't deserve the ball. So, right, we'll we'll see who who makes makes those strides through camp and how they look week one. No, I think that's a good part of uh, a good point you make there, right? Like you can't just be you're especially at a position like tight end, right? It's it's different, and I know that's kind of a thing with receivers where um, if they know the ball is coming their way, you're getting 100 percent out of the receivers. But when if it if they know the ball, if it's it's a running play, they'll just maybe try to push the DB you know, towards the sideline or something or whatever, get them out of the way, but they're not really like selling it or, 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 you know, really kind of 
playing as hard as maybe some should be playing to try and sell the fact that it's a um a run play but yeah that, that but again like even that like separates a guy from a regular receiver it's like a, yeah what kyle phillips was able to do mm-hmm. you know yeah that was on display that, in the lsu game yeah exactly a guy that will you know put his body in the line for his mm-hmm. first teammates to get them to score so uh, so 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 we'll see how it plays out. I mean, it was obviously going to be a big loss regardless, just because Greg went on and got drafted by the Denver Broncos. Um, but then you lose Mike Martinez again, a blocking tight end. We did talk to um, or I wasn't there actually today, but um, the reporters talked to Mike Martinez, not Mike Martinez, excuse me, Michael Ezekiel and Hudson. And um, Michael was very clear that, hey, you know, obviously all of us are going to have to step up and. And he, he was even asked because Chip Kelly had said, you know, obviously losing Mike, um, that's a, a tough loss, but we're going to stay composed and we're going to move forward. And Chip Kelly remained confident with the talent they, he had there, gave a shout out to the two um, true freshmen that are also kind of working their way into the system as tight ends. But um, he said he's the tight end room is still deep. He's confident in that group and 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 feels maybe compared to either side of the ball, if there's one position he's most comfortable with in terms of depth experience and, and what they need to get done, it would be the tight end room. Um, so when Michael was asked about that, he said, Hey, you know, we're, we're not, you know, we maybe we are deep, you know, we have a good group here still, but like he didn't want to discredit, discredit some of the other positions, but he also um, took the same line that Greg did did not take the same line, but the same mindset of, uh, yeah, maybe a former receiver. I may be someone who's known for catching the ball. Maybe that's where, you know, I'm going to be able to stand out on the stat sheet. But he also has the understanding that, hey, I know I need to work on blocking. That's something I'm working on. Um, and that can that's, you know, especially for those guys who've made the transition from receiver to tight end. There's that extra emphasis now to block. And now if you had the the hands and the, the receiving down, you do need to go about working on that. So it was good to hear that that's something Ezekiel is doing um, again, just on Hudson real quick. We talked about him being a walk on, uh, I guess at the end of spring camp, it sounds like he got um, a scholarship for this season. So, so he's kind of taken care of in that regard. And, and he mentioned Greg after talk, after Hudson mentioned, after talking to his mom and dad, one of the first calls he made was to, um, to Greg, uh, someone who's been through that process, as we mentioned, was a walk on receiver, come on, make the transition to tight end. Um, and, and those guys kind of came up together through the US uh, UCLA system here. So um, it, I thought that was pretty neat. And I think that transitioned into something else I was kind of curious about. And maybe something, uh, me and some of the other reporters were kind of talking about this. Um, <laughs> if you go back and listen to the Chip Kelly interview from yesterday, got a little spicy uh, again with Chip because, you know, we're, we're trying, to, trying to figure out who's, who's on scholarship getting seen where all the scholarships are going, who's getting added, um, you know, maybe which walk-ons got a scholarship. So I guess that was something they were working on in the spring. The reporters were asking, but Chip wasn't really given anything. And Chip would say, if I get anything, I'll tell you. But then he, then the reporter said, well, you didn't tell us that Hudson got a scholarship, yada, yada, yada. Anyways, uh, I think it's something that UCLA, like UCLA should have promoted that, right? Or said Hudson, hey, like Hudson's down on scholarship, former walk-on, like celebrate the fact that your walk-ons are getting it. Maybe there's some recruiting part of it that I'm missing to maybe where they don't want to say, hey, we're giving some of our scholarships to walk-ons or whatever. But I think too, if if, if Mike Martinez is no longer with the program and you, I guess, I, you, maybe you can tell me if I'm wrong how it works out, but does that scholarship maybe move over to Hudson, I guess would, would, you know, or whoever they want to pick, but um, Hudson gets that. 
but then also just what are your thoughts on on the process and seeing guys earn um these different scholarships because if you look at some of the guys that have gotten them greg was one of them ethan fernia was one of them and not only do they earn a spot as a walk-on to get a scholarship but then they continue and they start producing on the field right and you it gets to the point where me who drops in in 2019 not knowing some of these guys were walk-ons um what is that journey Mm -hmm. like to kind of see for some of these guys i mean it's pretty awesome i mean for the guys that really work their butts off every day and a lot of the times, majority of the walk-ons at UCLA like bet on themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, they Joshua Kelly to, was another one too. Uh, yeah, who bet on himself and mm-hmm. made sacrifices to walk on at UCLA, which is very expensive to do. Um, passed up scholarships at other schools, maybe financial aid at other schools mm-hmm. because they they believed in themselves and they wanted to be at UCLA. So um, it's always awesome every because every year there's usually uh, yeah usually two or three guys that get put on scholarship because yeah, it's these like scholarship numbers of guys that departed or, you know, left and we need to, I mean, we, we have those available to fill the a quota, I believe. Like, I don't know mm-hmm. exactly the breakdown yeah. mm-hmm. of like where those numbers can come from, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it's, it's always awesome to see those guys. And it's like, kind of like, I feel like a weight lifted a lot of times. A lot of them can, focus on yeah uh ball and not have to worry about like loans and stressing their parents out and all these other things mm-hmm. and like i said majority like a lot majority of the walk-ons deserve it honestly they they grind like yeah. everybody else there every day um especially the guys that are i feel like if you're walk-on and you're playing more than scholarship guys you <laughs> deserve right. a scholarship right because i mean there's some scholarship guys that are there and never play so mm-hmm. it's like that's yeah that's true you know what i'm saying Where like i like, don't know the name of their scholarship guys i don't even like oh so and so i'm like uh who i don't i don't i don't know but you know i knew who ethan fernand was i knew who joshua kelly was i knew who greg dolchich was now real quick shape so shape Pitts was a walk-on too shape Pitts was a walk-on and because apparently he, he, he got a scholarship i, I yeah I, they he, made and, it up, like he just got one or something I don't know if he got put on just this past year I think he or did. the year dang, or the year before because he's going into – he's a super senior. His, yeah, it's his sixth, sixth yeah, year, right? Yeah, it would be his fifth or sixth, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like I said, Shea Pitts is, is one of those kids where you want him on your team, you want mm-hmm. him on your program for so many reasons. Like he's just a, a great guy to have in the locker room, a great representation of what it means to be UCLA Bruin. I mean, and then on the field, this is a guy that will sacrifice and do anything a coach asks of him, whether mm-hmm. that's holding a shield for a drill or leading a drill, right. converting, converting positions that we've seen him do a plethora of times. I mean, DB to, I mean, like safety to outside linebacker to sometimes he ends up at an inside linebacker. And sometimes mm-hmm. he was at a DN position where or at times where I was, uh, he was my backup at times where uh, I'm taking so many snaps. I need, I need one. Shea Pitts was one of the, the guys that would could come in and relieve me for a, for a, for a series, you know, hmm. and he never complained, you know, was always, always brought energy, always brought juice to the room. And now it's awesome seeing him be that leader that, mm-hmm. you know, he watched, he watched us as the older guys. And now he's become like a leader of the team and a captain and, um i'm saying if you're uh, a kid that you know potentially could you know be a walk in a school you want to look up to a guy like shea pitts and follow 
the path he gave, you know, from you got to earn it though. I mean, these guys, like I said, from mm-hmm. scout team, majority of the time, a lot of the, the walk-ons that end up on the field are on scout teams and are such an issue that <laughs> they have to play, you know? Right. I mean, uh, like Christian Pabico, that was one, one of the guys a few years, uh, I think he was a year, year or two before me. Um, it was a guy on special teams at practice where guys couldn't block him. <laughs> and it was yeah. to the point where it's like, yeah, he needs to, he, he, okay. He earned it. He can play, get him on special teams. Mm-hmm. He kept excelling. And then he was getting re- reps at receiver. Mm. But there's stories like that every year of guys that come in as freshmen, walk-ons, um, and just earn it. I mean, yeah. and, and Chip Kelly's a coach where he gives everybody an opportunity. So if you want to play and you're a walk-on, UCLA's not a bad option. No doubt about it. So, yeah, no, good to hear about Shay. Um, and Shay, I believe he's, like, doing – he got to accept into, like, a oh, business, business law program, something that's over my head. Um, but Shay hasn't been there the last two days. Uh, he wasn't there Tuesday or Wednesday. Not sure why. Maybe he's Class. doing doing big word brain the, law stuff. On, yeah, word <laughs> on the street is he started in his uh, – yeah, he started in his law classes. So, yeah. Uh, it might it might conflict and he has to be present yeah. in those classes which Especially a lot early, of the time that's on, that's yeah. that's why some of the majors guys are usually not allowed to do but be probably because he's a special case um, yeah being in his super senior year um and it just looks good on the program of him even being able to be no doubt you know in in getting that degree um so and I, I think, too, I mean, obviously, there's a new defensive coordinator and everything else, but he's been there long enough that I think he knows how it goes. Shay's <laughs> like, a, a smart kid. Like, yeah, he he's done enough camps and he's mm-hmm. been in enough systems to understand yeah. what he needs to do when when he's back on the field. No doubt about it. Um, a few other guys that have kind of been in and out uh, in terms of being injured, uh, I, I guess, the last couple of days and that, that weren't really participating in practices when I was there. Um, Ali Caho was one of them, the uh, Alabama transfer from last year. Hayden Nelson, the defensive lineman, um, good buddy Sam Conan from SI, um, reported that on his site earlier today. Obviously, he has the Believe in UCLA podcast as well for the Believe Network. Make sure you guys go check that out as well. But um, Hayden Nelson, the defensive lineman, looks like he was the newest uh, addition over to the injury group off to the side. And um, some other guys... um, Deshaun Merle, the running back, is one of them, uh, a guy who has the potential to 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 be a, a lead guy in that backfield at some point here in the future. Um, and then it looks like um, Sam Conan's also reported that freshman running back T.J. Harden, who is a true freshman from Inglewood, uh, went over to the injury shed for, for a quick minute, but it looks like it was nothing too serious. Um, it's kind of interesting because his name is kind of popping up. Uh, Zach Charbonnet spoke to the media, and I think Zach Charbonnet even threw his name out as like a guy who's kind of getting some second team reps as a true freshman. Um, it Even when Deshaun Foster was talking um, about the running back, back position and what we're gonna what they're going to do with Zach Charbonnet and all that, obviously there's no doubt Zach Charbonnet is the main back, um, but that just because Brent Brown's not there, and they don't really have a guy who's like obviously like yeah he's the number two guy. They're not gonna give the ball to Charbonnet fifty times. Um, you know, I don't want to say they have a number on his on his um, you know how many times he touches the ball, but there's still an emphasis and it's still being considered. It's still being recognized as a two back system. So maybe that's 
Zach Charbonnet and a, and a cast of guys kind of filling that in um, that role. I'm, I'm blanking on the name who, who would also be a running back for them. But again, interesting just to see that um, TJ Harden is getting in that mix there pretty early. And, and again, it could be another guy, you know, everyone talked about the transfer portal guys and chip doesn't want to recruit anybody, whatever. Well, he recruited TJ Harden. And if we look two years down the road and TJ Harden is still with the Bruins and is the lead guy in that backfield, you guys will be thinking Chip Kelly for recruiting a guy locally, bringing him in, grooming him, uh, getting him ready to be this, the stud that he has the potential to be. Um, jumping over to quarterback real quick, obviously the same two familiar names as your first and your second string guys with um, DTR obviously leading the way as a starter. And you have Ethan Garbers working with the second, uh, you know, kind of that second string group there. But you also got um, Artopius, uh, Chase Griffin, and Justin Martin in that mix as well with that secondary group. Um, and it, just in terms of where they're looking at, in terms of the secondary at the moment, your starters would be Azizi Hearn, um, who is a transfer from not North Texas, from Wyoming. He's a, a Wyoming transfer. And then Devin Kirkwood who was a true freshman and got some time last year. Um, I think he's going to continue to make a name for himself. Um, I did a top seven got potential breakout guys um, for the ocregister.com. I did an article on that top seven breakout guys. Devin Kirkwood is one of those seven guys. Um, no doubt about it. And then your, your starting safeties at the moment would be Mo Osling, the third and Stefan Blaylock. Um, not sure where Churchwell will fit in in that mix, but I think he'll definitely be in there. But while we're on the topic real quick, um, Josh, UCLA's football account just tweeted something out about Steph Stephen Blaylock. Not anything bad. I just want, I'm just pulling it up here. Um, but he has like some starting streak. Like he started however many, let me pull it up here. Okay. Um, from the UCLA football account, seven, Stephen Blaylock, enters the 2022 season with the longest active start streak on the Bruins roster with 31 straight starts. Can you tell me about Steph Stephen Blaylock and um, playing 30? How, how do you play 31 straight starts? Like, How do you stay healthy for that long? He, I, I mean, we call him big play Blay. He's very instinctual, go. very, uh, very smart. I mean, coming from that Bosco program, he came in like a, you know, knowing what to do like a vet from day one. Mm -hmm. So I'm not surprised to, to see that he's um, I guess he was ahead of his time as far as coming in prepared, uh, good in coverage can play the run. I mean, could play free, could play strong if needed. And like I said, like a general back there, I mean, he's, he's been able to learn from guys like the Q Lake, you know, mm -hmm. um, even from, from Quantra's night too. Yeah. I don't know if he was, I don't, I don't know if he was there with Adarius. Well, Adarius Pickett was uh but still like hoping, a GA or yeah, yeah. So I'm saying he's had a um a lot of guys to kind of mentor and bring him bring him in and learn under. And now I mean he's running the show back there. And it's it's good to see also Mo Osling back there mm -hmm. too, finding a another guy that's balanced around for positions to like find the role. Um, I mean, is a player that you want on the on the field for sure. So no doubt about it. And I it was it's um it's just interesting with Blaylock too, because anytime we would do stories, well, me last year, when I would do stories, like the last two seasons, it like about the secondary, it was like, there's Q Lake, there's Q Knight. You had uh, 
Caleb, not Caleb Johnson, uh, Cam Johnson was in there. There was like so many guys, but then you still have Stefan over here just quietly very, 31 yeah, starts. And he's like super consistent. underrated and just consistent and, and like, just like, it's just professional, right? Like he doesn't, there's no noise. There's no, at least from what I can tell, there's no, there's no like persona. There's no nothing. He's just, he's a guy Chip Kelly wants. He just wants a ball player, right? Like that's what Stephen Blaylock is. Mm-hmm. Big personality, but you wouldn't know till you, till you really know. I had no idea till you told, like, till you told me when I was like saying he was going to be at media day and you told me, and I was like, I had no idea. Um, real quick. We did ask, uh, Chip Kelly about Damian Sellers, who had some time as a true freshman during the COVID season, did did play some some pretty significant amount of time, but didn't play a whole lot last year. I believe he did get injured, but we just have not seen him at all. He wasn't on the roster. Um, and this is a guy who was like a top one or two uh, top one or two uh, ranked guy in terms of that UCLA class for 2020. He was like their one of their highlight guys of the class and and he's just not on the roster but he's still with the team um it's just unavailable as chip kelly says so we're not sure if it's a great issue um an injury or, or something like that he's just not on the roster at the moment um you know so hopefully things get figured out with him but i think the fact that he's still being considered a member of the team is or a member of the program at the very least is still a good sign for his future going forward um i'm gonna have a hard time saying this name but you wanted to know who the special teams coordinator was. So I made sure to go and write that in my notebook and go to camp and, and get that answer for you. Apparently it's kind of been known, but they didn't make it very known. Um, it's going to be the, uh, he's a linebacker coach, but I'm trying to get the right one. Yeah. The outside linebacker coach. Aikaka Malone, I believe. Is, is how you say his name. Um, I'm going to have to run that through the text to speech and get that one kind of worked on. But um, yeah, he's going to be your special teams coordinator as well. Um, taking over. He was originally hired right before the holiday bowl game. Um, and he was going to serve as an analyst. Obviously that game got canceled. So, but he was originally obviously going to be brought on and was hired to be the outside linebacker coach, filling that position need as Jason Kafusi went over to Arizona with Johnny Nansen and joining um, the staff over there. But uh, yeah, so he also fills in that void for Derek Sage, uh, who was one of the three coordinators for Chip Kelly that did move on during the offseason. Uh, Sage went over to Nevada, um, where he started his coaching career, I believe, and um, is now the offensive coordinator and tight ends coach over there. UCLA did hire a tight ends coach. Um, obviously, we just got done talking about the tight end position. Jeff Ferris from from Duke made his way over as the new hire as the tight ends coach. But yeah, so uh, some Coach Malo had some special teams experience and, and has had a few different stops, but was most recently at the University of Utah. I mean, excuse me, University of Washington. And um, I believe was the defensive coordinator, or co-defensive coordinator there, obviously worked under Jimmy Lake and has been a special teams coordinator at some of his previous stops. So a guy with experience um, that will come in. Um, it sounds like just talking to Logan Loya, the receiver, and Kaz Allen, the do-it-all guy. Um, they're saying it's not too much different from what they've been doing, but uh, maybe there's a little bit difference in a scheme as, as there will be or, or just the strategy there on special teams as with any new coach, they're going to implement their own things. But 
<clears throat> in terms of the specialists, it looks like we're going to get Kaz Allen. He's kind of leading that way as, as your, your main returner um, for kickoffs and whatnot. Uh, and it looks like Logan Loya is kind of making um, a name for himself, kind of getting settled in to replace Kyle Phillips there, who was drafted by the Tennessee Titans. Logan Loya is going to look like he might be the, the punt returner um, for this upcoming season. Uh, Kyle Phillips had two uh touchdown return or punt returns for a touchdown during his career so um logan loya said it himself he said you know i'm trying to make a name for myself um, not only as a receiver but as a punt returner and and brings him to the crib as he said so he's a guy who who has the mindset of, of when he gets the ball in his hands he wants to be a playmaker and contribute not only as a receiver but on special teams and in that punt return game so looking forward to seeing what logan loya does there um i'm just trying to see if if anything stands out, oh, we also talked about um, the coaches poll and and whatnot in our last episode. Of course, two or three days after the fact, they come out with the AP preseason poll for the top 25. And I obviously wasn't expecting UCLA in that top 25. And it was more or less the same. I think there was maybe one team that was different between the coaches poll and the AP poll. But if you scroll all the way to the very bottom, Two votes in there for UCLA. So UCLA is kind of on the board a little bit. Um, you know, you got teams that that is essentially like your 26th, 27th, and 28th team on the on the poll, and they had like 180 something votes. So UCLA is not necessarily in that mix for uh the top 25, even though they're kind of listed in that others that received votes category. But I think it's a nice sign that at least there's some rec recognition there for UCLA and, and the potential of what they can do. But I think it's also um just worth mentioning, you know, if, if there was about 10 teams other and others that received votes, which would kind of place UCLA in that top 25, top 35 team. So um, still a good sign to be recognized because I think the uh, some of the times when those polls would come out and I was checking it as I started covering the team, UCLA wasn't in there at all. So at least for preseason, there's some expectation there that they can uh, have the potential to be a top 25 team. What are your, your thoughts on that? And just some recognition for the Bruins? I mean, time will tell. I think that, I mean, the goal, mm -hmm. I mean, hearing from some of the guys uh, and reading some of the headlines, I think the goal is Rose Bowl. So, um, I don't oh, think yeah. the boys are too too phased about not being ranked because mm -hmm. it doesn't matter what you rank going in, it matters what you rank going out. So, um, and they, even like I told some of them, I mean, I think after by week four, I think you know, I think they could be top fifteen if they you know mm -hmm. undefeated by wide margins, mm -hmm. you know, top fifteen, top twenty by then. So it's gonna come, you know, just worry one game at a time. I mean, and, and you you know your your small goals and your big goal. Mm -hmm. This right now doesn't really matter. Yeah, and you you actually brought up a good point, something I kind of forgot about. Uh, I think it was Kaz Allen um, who mentioned it, and I forgot how it kind of came up. Someone may have asked him, how, how do you guys build off of last season or something along those lines? And I think Kaz Allen is just like, boom, Rose Bowl or bust. And um, that same question more or less was kind of asked of Logan Loya, and he's like, yeah, Rose Bowl or bust. So uh, it's kind of been put out there. You know, I wasn't going to go and take the bait uh and, and and be one of those media guys who are, who are going to use that as a headline and kind of say hey look at the rose bowl or bust over here but obviously that's that's what any football team's mindset should be um high i have a high goal and high expectation obviously everyone's going to say national championship or bust but you know to say rose bowl or bust especially when you play in the rose bowl 
you're not saying, hey, we just want to play home game. Like we want to play in the Rose Bowl game. Um, so I thought that was uh, pretty significant for them to say. And um, do you do you have any problems with them kind of coming forward with a statement like that? Does that? I mean, generally, if something is being re- you know repeated by players, then it's definitely being talked about mm-hmm. in the meeting rooms. I mean, I don't know if it's coming from Chip or what, but um, it might that might be coming from the the player leadership council as far mm-hmm. as goals for this team this year and the agenda that they're probably pushing towards everybody is like this is what we want to do so like let's make this happen i mean i love that energy i mean because there was a while where it was just like it was almost like a losing culture where, where guys were seemed to be okay with losing and then the hype and the expectation was that you said it was going to lose games so it was like when mm-hmm. they won it was like a shock um and it's it's that time now where you know you reap uh what you've sown in these past few years so i yep. mean it's time to win um, last year should have been, you know, a boat, you know, Chip's first boat game, hopefully boat game win. And I think, you know, building off of that, the next, you know, next step, Pac-12 championship and Rose Bowl. No doubt about it. And as we kind of wrap things up here, two things real quick. Uh, right before we started the podcast, I saw, um, well, obviously over the weekend, the Rose Bowl, they had a celebration. It was like the 100th year, centennial year celebration for the Rose Bowl. 100 years of history there in the Rose Bowl. Obviously, UCLA in recent years, obviously, and for some time now, have been a big part of that. Um, at UCLA, UCLA, UCLA Athletic Director Martin Jarman um, tweeted out a video of him at the Rose Bowl today. And he said, hey, you know, we love the Rose Bowl. I just got done finishing an event planning, coordinating meeting or whatever it was called. But was pretty much saying, hey, we're excited for the football season to start. Um, they've obviously added a whole lot of bells and whistles and lights and flashing lights and things last year. Um, so they're back at the, the drawing board and they're planning some new fun things for the Rose Bowl, it sounds like, and for some of that home game experience. So uh, they're really kind of going all out and, and they're excited about the team. And, and obviously, as the team does good, they want to continue to complement and add some different bells and whistles to make that special. So I think that's great. Um, I, I mentioned Zach Charbonnet a little bit earlier. Um, uh, Deshaun Foster mentioned this, and then we also had Charbonnet. He said he's cutting down on his body fat. He was already at five percent body fat, um, but now he's cutting that down even further. It, the dude's jacked. He's all muscle. They call him the Terminator for a reason. And um, he, he, you know, he sounded very well spoken. Um, not that he wasn't before, but obviously, I think when you just kind of come into the area or return back to the area the way he did. Um, and you kind of get in front of a new set of reporters here at UCLA. Um, maybe you're a little bit more reserved, but a little bit of a different tone and just kind of a uh, vibe from him in terms of just him being comfortable with his surroundings and being more at home here in his second year. Um, I think he spent some time, as we've mentioned before here on the podcast, him going out with Dorian and and doing some different camps and, and working with uh, younger kids and stuff. So I think that's pretty cool and speaks to their uh, kind of their bond and their chemistry and whatnot. Um, and it sounds like they hired a nutritionist. Um, I, you could tell me if or not, whether they, I'm sure they would have had a nutritionist already, but we talked to, uh, Duke Clemens and, and, um, and to, what is it? Antonio Maffi. Um, uh, I think, do they just call him Antonio or, or I just call Neo. him Maffi. What is it? We call, I mean, we call him Neo. Oh, Neo. Neo Maffi, yeah. Neo I've heard, Maffi. I've heard, I've heard yeah. that work too. So we talked to them and, and they, <laughs> it's kind of an interesting dynamic because, uh, Duke Clemens is trying to like uh, gain weight and like keep his weight. And then you have uh, Moffy who's like dropping weight. I think he said he came in. Uh, I don't want to like throw out numbers, but it was like he was at like 350 or, or maybe even a little bit more than that. 
And no, he, now, he came in. No, I know he came in over four hundred. I was or was it four? I was gonna say four, but I thought that sounded he, a little he's crazy. Down, he's down. He's no, down to he, three something. Right he, when he came in, he was coming off of an Achilles tear. Um, mm. So like he wasn't able to work yeah. out with us much of much of the summer, gotcha. and he wasn't able to do contact. And then first game he was playing. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, yeah. So he came in, and now like seeing his body now and how strong he's gotten. He came like a baby and like now he's a man, you know? Yeah. So it's just, I'm really proud of him because I know it's been years of work, dedication, mm-hmm. like really, really grinding and being disciplined to get to where he's at now. And and he said that and he mentioned that we kind of talked to him about like, you know, like that's not something that happens overnight and you have to develop and create new habits for yourself and um, watch what you eat, prepare what you eat differently and different things along those lines. So I thought that was pretty neat. I think he's always kind of had a smile on his face, at least anytime I've seen him, but he was in good mm-hmm. spirits and, and he, and he, and he's in a good spot and he's happy he's, where he, where yeah, he is now. In good spirits. He's always in good spirits. He's always been a good dude. I mean, he has one of those smiles that you could see from across the way for sure. Um, so yeah, I mean, if anything, that's what you see all fans should be feeling right now. Uh, nothing but smiles as we get into non-conference play. We're about like two or three weeks away, if I'm not mistaken. It's coming up pretty fast. Um, and, and we're going to get the season rolling here, Josh. Um, at some point, uh, we're going to have um, some more episodes per week kind of rolling along. Obviously, something to preview games and then something to kind of react to games as we move along here into the season. So that's something to keep an eye out for. Um, but yeah, Josh, we got about a minute or so left. Anything else on your mind or, or anything else? that uh, I should keep an eye out for as I get back out there to camp next week. Um, any, anything you're curious to know about? I'm the, I'm just, yeah, I'm just excited to see mm-hmm. how everything shakes out, who steps up, who doesn't, um, how all the, yeah, all, how all the older transfer guys are um, with, with the team mm-hmm. leader wise on the field wise, you know, if they're kind of taking over or, you know, getting how well adjusted they are to this, mm-hmm. this new team. Yeah, for sure. And again, like I mentioned with DTR and again with Charbonnet, like they just sound a lot more like sure of themselves, like just in terms of confidence and taking that leadership role and being more involved. And, you know, when you lose a guy like uh, Q Lake and and Q Knight and some of those guys who are who are just automatic leaders because of the way they kind of present themselves and the way they carry themselves. But um, yeah, that's something I'll be keeping an eye out for as well. I'm curious to see who some of the team captains will be. Um, obviously, Dorian would probably be one just off the jump. Um, and something else to keep an eye on is what they do at punter. Uh, Nicholas Barmira was the place kicker, but also made doing some punting duties. Um, so something to keep an eye out for. But with that being said, Josh, thank you so much. Thank you for everyone for listening, and we'll catch you guys in the next episode. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? 
That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.